Over his 34-year career, my husband has authored over 50 published articles, along with several books, videos, and audio training programs on the subject of network marketing. He's also been repeatedly recognized as one of the top network marketing trainers in the world. In June of 2011, he was invited to visit our company's home office. He was so impressed with what he saw that he decided that day to walk away from his lucrative speaking and consulting career and got started as a team of one. Today, that team of one has grown to over 200,000 customers, associates, managers, directors, executives, and millionaires in 17 countries. Today, my husband and I work together and we are extremely grateful to have been recognized as the number one income earners for our company worldwide. But what I'm most excited about today is that thanks to podcast technology, you can learn the leadership skills, the leadership lessons that will help you grow your own world-class team. With that in mind, let the man who's been teaching others about leadership for decades share what he's been teaching with you. Ladies and gentlemen, please allow me to introduce my business partner and the love of my life, my husband, Michael S. Klaus. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my all-time favorite topics, prospecting. You know, prospecting really is a game. And if it is a game, we should understand the rules. It is a game. We should understand the rules. But before we get into that, I want to just remind you that it's one of the three fundamentals. We're going to be discussing all three of these fundamentals as we move forward in time. But we're going to start with prospecting. Because prospecting, by definition, is simply finding people to talk to. The next fundamental we will eventually get to is presenting. How do you tell the story so that someone will say yes? And, of course, the third and final fundamental is duplicating. After all, this is not a business about what works. This is a business about what duplicates. And duplicating is really teaching others to do what you're doing one step at a time that leadership thing we've been discussing from the very beginning. So let's get into this particular topic today, and I'm really hoping you'll take notes. In fact, I'm actually hoping that you'll do what I've been asking you to do through this series, to listen to these podcasts repetitively. After all, you've mastered the lyrics to the songs on the radio, not by going to Google and printing out the lyrics and getting up early and staying up late. No, you've just listened to the music one more time. So make it a habit. You know, we have these podcasts coming out Monday, Tuesday. I'm trying to get them all for Monday, but, you know, first part of the week, they're, they're, they're available. If you're subscribing, it should be pretty easy when they pop up just to work them into your calendar. And then you've got the next seven days to really go through this material, to really listen to it time and time and time again, so that repetition really helps us become part of the fabric of who you are. I mean, after all, when you think about playing the game of tennis, if you're standing on one side of the court and your opponent is on the other side, friend or foe, at some point they're going to be serving the ball to you. Now, when they serve the ball, if you're thinking to yourself, wow, nice serve. If I'm smart, I think all, it's too late. The ball's already gone zinging by you. And if it was in, point for them. If this continues, you're going to lose that match very quickly. No, that's why good tennis players are always practicing. They're making sure that their body knows kind of instinctively how to move before that ball really gets to where it's going. They have to be unconscious almost in their thought process because they've done it so many times. They can anticipate where that ball is going to go. 
That being said, even the masters miss a shot from time to time. In fact, sometimes they miss a few of them. Unforced errors are the number one reason I think people end up losing matches. That means they could have done a better job. They didn't. But it's a game, and so we understand what happened and we moved on. And so, too, prospecting is a game. But if it's a game, we need to understand the rules. So remember, going back again to the last podcast, everything we know and how we feel about it, we've decided we'll call our philosophy. Our philosophy, of course, what we know and how we feel about it, that really dictates our attitude, what we're thinking about all day long. Those thoughts show up in our actions, what we do. What we do shows up in our results, what we get. And what we get shows up in our lifestyle, what we have. And remember, we agreed if what we have isn't working, but we've given it enough time, we just don't want to jump up the scale a couple of levels and just start doing more, doing more, doing more. I mean, after all, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. Doing something wrong repetitively will never help you do it right. That being said, this isn't brain surgery. We're not really trying to get it right. We're just trying to get better over time. So remember that. But if I'm sharing anything with you today that you think, wow, that's a new thought, that would be a refinement of your philosophy. Now you're going to start thinking about that differently. That might cause you to begin acting differently, which is going to hopefully over time produce a different result for you and show up in a different lifestyle. That is our goal. Make sure every single person on your team is following you as you lead them down the road or up the road, I guess, and you're going to see the results will speak for themselves. So again, let's really get into today's topic. If prospecting is a game, then these are the rules. So what are the rules? Well, number one, you have to learn if you want to become a really good prospector, you need to learn how to become a great detective. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what comes to your mind when you hear the word detective? For me, it's someone who's looking for the truth. They're trying to find the perpetrator, solve the crime, uh, the mystery, whatever it happens to be, but they're trying to get to the heart of the matter, what happened. So how does that translate here? Why do we need to think in terms of prospecting as a game? And if it's going to be a game, why is the very first rule that we learn how to play detective? Well, because most of the time when we don't understand this, we end up going down the wrong road. So here's what I'm saying. Number one, if we're going to become a great detective, we need to understand we're looking for a prospect, not a project. And there is a difference. A prospect is someone who might potentially be interested. A project is someone you feel should be interested but they are not expressing any interest whatsoever. Sadly, the projects end up being family members, close friends, and associates who you just want it for them more than they want it for themselves. Listen, you can't push a rope and you can't convince someone to do something they don't want to do. If you want to go to the Mexican cantina on a Friday night and you invite your friends and they just don't like Mexican food, telling them all of the reasons they should join you probably is not the best idea. That would be a project. No, you're looking for a prospect. Who might be interested? Who's expressed an interest before in Mexican food? Who likes your company? Who likes to go out to dinner? As a detective, you put on your detective hat and start thinking, who might like to join me? And it just makes it easier. So if you are going to put on that detective hat, so to speak, what are you looking for? Well, in our business, you're looking for someone who's at least 18 years of age. They need to be that old to become an associate and build a business. They need to be living in a country where we do business. I know this may say, surprise a lot of people. 
it still surprises me when I get the phone call from someone who says, hey, I've got this amazing, amazing contact. They're just incredible. They would absolutely crush it. And they're in Bangladesh. What do I do? I say, what do you do? Well, first and foremost, you could wait until we open Bangladesh because we're not open for business there. Or you can just acknowledge the fact they could have been amazing, but because we're not there, they're not really going to be able to be amazing because we can't do business there yet. Well, can't we just enroll them some other way and just ship product there? Again, people who think that way need to refine their philosophy. That would be a project. We're not interested in a project. We're interested in a prospect, someone who's at least 18 years of age or older, and they're living in a country where we do business. We also need someone with a problem that one of our solutions will solve. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking, problem? Listen, I'm not a fan of the word either, unless we're contrasting it to our solution. You see, we are a solutions-based company. One of our packets will offer a solution for weight loss, for muscle gain, for more energy. You get the idea. So if we're offering solutions, we're trying to solve problems. Therefore, 18 years of age or older, living in a country where we do business, if they've got a problem, one of our solutions will potentially solve. Hey, how about this? We've got to find someone, if we're playing detective, who's expressed an interest in actually finding a solution to their problem. You can't just look, for example, at our weight loss solution and go around trying to find significantly overweight people and say, ah, look, perfect, prospects. Not necessarily. There are some people who are overweight, and I'm sure they're not happy about it. But when you offer them a solution, you'll also find they're not interested. You'll also find some fairly fit people that you think, well, they're fairly fit. They probably wouldn't be. And yet they've got, you know, a handful of pounds to lose or kilos. They want to get back in their skinny jeans and they'll do just about anything to find a solution. Again, think prospect, not project. And last but not least, and this is critical, they need to know who you are. Now, why is that important? Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But remember those aspects of becoming a great detective. Put on your detective hat and start thinking, who do I know that's 18 years of age or older? Who do I know that lives in a country where we do business? Who do I know that has a problem that one of our solutions will potentially solve? Who do I know that's expressed an interest in finding a solution to their problem? Hey, who do I know that knows me? You get the idea. So what's the second rule? Well, we have to prospect on purpose. We can't leave this to chance. We spoke about this earlier when I said plan your work and work your plan. And again, if you've missed that podcast, you really need to go back so that this common language that I'm using is something that makes sense to you. You need to have your calendar in front of you, electronic or otherwise. You need to know what the hierarchy is in your family. You need to know where your business building time, what we have classified as your revenue producing activity, where those holes are on your calendar. You need to fill those holes, as we discussed, about 80% of your time with prospecting, finding people to talk to. So you have to be doing this with intention. You have to be prospecting on purpose. Schedule the days and the times and your prospecting goals in advance. I've given you some simple formulas for that. We'll talk a little bit more about that as our conversation continues, but prospect on purpose. Don't leave this to chance. The third rule is we need to learn how to build rapport. Now, what is rapport? Well, rapport occurs when people know us, they like us, 
and they trust us. When we have those three in combination, it is said we have rapport. So if I said to you, for example, make a list of all of the people you know who, if you were going to get married, might be inclined to come to your wedding. Because I will tell you this, if we have the bride's family on one side and the groom's family on the other, and all of these people are willing to give up a Saturday or Sunday, get dressed up in uncomfortable clothes, buy you a gift, give up part of their weekend and come anyway, they probably care enough about you to listen to an idea that you feel might help them. But if I asked you to make that list, and for most people that list would be a couple of a hundred people, how many of you would feel comfortable in starting to reach out and prospect those individuals. I mean, it sounds logical enough. Hey, make a list of the people you know, start at the top, start working down your list. You know, you're going to have a lot of people say no, but you will have a few people say yes. I gave you some ratios earlier. You should be tracking yours so you can get better at the game. But why is it that we can share this information intellectually? Everybody says, okay, okay, okay. And yet, where do we find people in 30, 60, 90 days? They haven't done it. This for years was a mystery to me. I didn't really understand it, but now I do. So let me help you perhaps, again, refine your philosophy by giving you some information that maybe you didn't know about before. And that is how we were all basically programmed from infancy by our parents, which is now making this incredibly difficult. Although it's difficult now, it will be very easy to overcome in just a few minutes. So hang on. So what is this programming that our parents put into our brain all these years ago? Well, they usually shared with us repetitively areas that made an impact to this day. After all, say if I were your father and I were speaking to you as a son or a daughter, how many of these expressions would you be able to finish out loud? If I said to you, for example, children should be seen and not heard, of course, should have come to mind, or you probably should have said it out loud. Why? Because you've heard it from, from infancy like I have. What about this one? Don't speak unless you're, and for most of us, we know instantly spoken to. It just comes out. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. How about this one? Don't talk to, and for most of us, we instantly know strangers is the way to finish that sentence. So if our parents really programmed this into our minds, that children should be seen and not heard, don't speak unless you're spoken to, and whatever you do, don't talk to strangers, is it any wonder that prospecting becomes a bit of a challenge? I mean, after all, if I were to suggest to you, why don't you wait until about 12.01 a.m. this evening, or I guess it would technically be tomorrow morning, and then why don't you reach out to a a colleague of yours, someone you work with, why don't you call them on their cell phone at 12.01 a.m. and say to them, I'm here to talk with you about my company and here to talk with you about the solutions to your problem. How many of you would take me up on that challenge to wait until 12.01 a.m. and reach out and do that? And of course, I'm hopefully imagining all of you are saying, what? I would never do such a thing. Really? I beg to differ. The reason you're probably immediately saying I would never do such a thing is because it hits you as being wrong fundamentally on every single level. Why? Because you should be seen and not heard. You shouldn't speak unless you're spoken to, and you shouldn't be talking to strangers. This is a colleague, maybe not someone you know very well. Besides, it's 12.01 in the morning. Why on earth would you call there? Well, let me back up and set the stage, and then you tell me if you might 
want to reflect on your answer and make an adjustment. So you've returned home from a Friday night with the one you love, beautiful little date night. You're just about ready to settle in for the evening and you've left your phones at home because you really wanted to spend time with each other. I know it sounds strange to some of you, but it's not a bad idea from time to time. Anyway, as you're getting ready for bed, you think, hey, I'll check my messages just one more time. And there it is. You pick up your phone, you check, let's just say Facebook private message, and there's a little message that pops up. You're not even connected with this person on Facebook. You look at the message and you say, wow, this is Charlie from work. I mean, I think I know who Charlie is, but you know, I don't really know Charlie all that well. And you're looking at the message and it says, and we'll just say they're reaching out to, to you. We'll, we'll just say that you're Mary. Say, hey, Mary, listen, it's Charlie. I've been watching your posts on Facebook and I'm so fascinated by what you're doing. It looks like you're with a company called Isogenics. If it is, I've done my own research. Wow, I'm really impressed. I've also found out through my research that one of the main benefits of getting involved with you is losing weight. I've been struggling with that for years and would be willing to try just about anything. Anyway, listen, I'm up until about three in the morning because of my crazy work schedule. I know it's Friday night, but if there is any possible way you could call me any time before 3 a.m., I'm literally sitting here by my phone and I would like to get enrolled tonight. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you would have a problem picking up your phone and calling Charlie at 12.01 in the morning? And the answer is probably none of us. Why? Well, because we were taught again from infancy that we should be seen and not heard, not to speak unless we're spoken to, and not to talk to strangers. But when people reach out to us, it's different. It changes the dynamics of everything. When someone gives us permission to speak, it's easy for us to reply. When someone doesn't feel like a stranger, it makes it easier for us to reply. So remember, we have to fundamentally focus in on this third rule of the game of prospecting. We need to learn how to build rapport. But we also have to understand how we have been programmed. So what's the best way to overcome this programming that was put into you by your parents? Just to reflect back on why they did it, they couldn't wait until you spoke. I mean, my goodness, your parents probably worked with you every single day trying to get you to utter your first word. And then eventually there it came. It was mama or dada or whatever it happened to be. And they thought it was so cute and they chronicled every part of it. And then eventually the word turned into a few sentences and the sentence into a few paragraphs and the paragraph turned into a nonstop chatterbox. And all of a sudden your parents said one day, you know what? Children should be seen and not heard. And that was the end of it because they just had enough. This is what happens to most of us. And if you're a parent, you can understand. Same thing happened. Don't speak unless you're spoken to. The parents wanted a little peace. That was it. And of course, because they loved us, they wanted to protect us. And so the don't talk to strangers part just become, became part of the fabric of their educational process with you. The challenge is nobody finished the rest of the story. Nobody said, listen, it's not safe to talk to people you don't know until you're grown up like mommy and daddy. When you're grown up like mommy and daddy, you'll be able to decide just like we are able to decide who's safe and who's not. So until you're grown up like mommy and daddy, please don't talk to people unless you talk with us first, okay? Little kid says, okay. And then they grow up and they don't have that, 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 in, that programming that runs so deep in their mind. But most of us do. Most of us were taught not to talk to strangers. Most of us were taught not to interrupt. Most of us were taught to wait until someone actually spoke to us. So how do we overcome this? Well, it's with rapport. Our third point in the game of prospecting, we need to treat every single person from today forward as if we have known them our entire life. Treat them all as friends. 
Just treat them all as friends. Talk to every single person as if they have been a friend of yours for life. Now, don't take liberties. You don't need to do that. But you can be polite and courteous. But we all know the difference between someone who calls us and they treat us like they've known us for life and how easy that conversation is and someone who calls us and it's a little bit stiff. I can always tell when it's going to be a little bit stiff when someone calls me and continues to call me through the conversation, Mr. Klaus. And after about two or three of those, I have to pause and say, I would really appreciate it if you would just call me Michael. Would that be all right? Would it be okay if I just call you Mary? Of course, assuming her name is Mary. (laughs) If it's not Mary, I would call her whatever her name is. But you get the idea. We want people to treat us like we would like to be treated. We have to build rapport. So how do we do that? Well, Dale Carnegie wrote a masterpiece entitled How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you have that book, dust it off and begin rereading it. Make it a part of your homework assignment moving forward to master the game of prospecting. It's probably one of the best prospecting books that's ever been written if we turn to one particular section. And all we really need is what's what's contained in that one section. And the section is how to make people like you. You're looking for that particular section. So open it up, find the table of contents, scroll down until you see the section, how to make people like you. I know in the beginning, it sounds like how to make people like me. That sounds a little bit uh, strange. But then when you look at what Carnegie is asking you to do, it makes perfect sense. Number one, he wants you to become genuinely interested in other people. Most of us are interested only in ourselves. Focus on them and see what happens. Number two, he wants us to smile. Listen, I've asked people on more than one occasion, are you happy? They say, yes, I'm happy. You know, you may want to let your face know. Here's the thing. You don't look very happy. We've got to smile more. Number three, we need to remember that the person's name is the sweetest and most important sound in any language. If their name is Mary, learn it. If their name is Naima, learn it. If their name is Lynn, learn it. If their name is difficult to pronounce, learn it. You have to take the time to learn someone's name and then use it when you're having a conversation with them. I can always tell when people are not really paying attention, I'll introduce myself as Michael. And then their immediate reply is, so Mike, how long have you or... It's like, and I want to just so say, it's not Mike. If I wanted to be called Mike, I would have introduced myself as Mike. I actually prefer Michael. But if I had that conversation with them, all it would do is embarrass them. They wouldn't feel comfortable. And so you just kind of let it roll. But truthfully, I like to be called Michael, not Mike, not Mr. Klaus. How about you? If your name is Elizabeth, do you like to be called Elizabeth? Do you like to be called Liz, Beth, Lizzie? How do your friends refer to you? Remember that. Use that. The sweetest sound in any language is your name. Number four, become a good listener. Encourage other people to talk about themselves. Wow, does that help open up the possibilities for conversation. Number five, talk in terms of the other person's interests. Most of us are only interested, sadly, in ourselves. It's said that most dialogue is really monologue in duet. People are only listening not so they can understand, they're listening so they can respond. We have to avoid that if we want to build rapport. Really focus on the person you're talking to. What makes them tick? What interests them? And as you're doing this, try, try, try to hit number six with all the gusto you have. Make 
the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Because when we become interested in other people, when we smile, when we use their name, when we're a good listener and we encourage them to talk about themselves, when we focus on what matters to them and they feel important because we've done it sincerely, rapport is instantaneously there. And remember, when people know us and they like us and they trust us, they're more inclined to allow us to lead them. So, if prospecting is a game, learning how to build rapport is critically important. Go to work on that. It's a skill worth learning. It's a skill worth learning. Number four, keep score. If prospecting is a game, then like any game, you should be keeping score. What do I mean? Well, I mean that most of us think we're doing it. We go through life doing it. I'm talking to people. Okay, how's it working for you? Well, I'm not growing as fast as I would like to grow. Okay, how many people are you talking to? Well, I'm not really sure, but I talk to people all of the time. Okay, so when you're talking to people all of the time, what does that actually mean to you? What is all of the time? Well, you know, most of the time, a few, a little of the time. Okay, so I think last week I spoke to one person. Listen, speaking to one person last week is good if that's your goal, but speaking to one person last week is not speaking to people all of the time. We need to keep score. You know, you walk out and the kids are playing and they're little and someone says, what's the score? And they say they're not keeping score. That's wonderful. But can you imagine if in the NBA or football or soccer or any other sport and you were gone for part of the game and you came in and you sat down and you said, hey, what's the score? And they say, I have absolutely no idea. They're not keeping score. I think they're just playing today. You'd be like, what? They're playing today? What is the point in that? You got to keep score. Figure out where to write it down. Figure out what you are going to define as a prospect and keep track. Remember in an earlier podcast, I talked about two contacts a day, four days a week. And then we talked about the rule of plus one and bumping that up to three contacts a day, five days a week. But whatever your numbers happen to be, based on the calendar and the life that you're currently leading, how you block things off, keep track. Don't lead this to chance. Prospect on purpose, learn how to build rapport, keep track, keep score. And then our last point for our conversation today is if you really want to accelerate your learning curve, remember, everything is going to take a certain amount of time. Oh, there's our nemesis again, time. Didn't we have a conversation earlier about this is not about how long, this is about how many? Yes, we did. And if you're not remembering that podcast, again, circle back around to the very beginning and work your way through all of these. They really do matter. It's like one brick being laid upon another until the home is finally completed. Our goal is to be able to put together the structure so that we end up with a masterpiece. So if it's not about how long, it's really about how many, how do we accelerate our learning curve? Let me give you the best I've got. Having observed this, having participated in it, and actively engaged day by day in it to this day. It's going to take about 100 meaningful conversations for you to break through. It's just the way that it is. I, I wish there was a better way for me to share it, but there isn't. It's going to take about 100 meaningful conversations. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, it means that if we're talking to three people a day, it'll take about 33 days. If you did it every single day, seven days a week, three people a day will take you a little over a month, three people a day, 33 days. But if you're only talking to three people a week, it's going to take you 33 weeks. 
If you're only taking talking to three people a month, it's going to take you 33 months. Truthfully, if you're only talking to three people a month, you probably won't survive 33 months building a business. You'll only survive because you'll fall in love with the products and you'll want to remain. But we want you to go beyond that if you're inclined, if you're interested. If you want more money for your family, we want to be able to show you how to do that. So how do we do this? Well, we have to remember the point. It's not about how long, it's about how many. So my goal for all of you, my challenge, if you will, for all of you is in the next seven days to really keep track and to see how many meaningful conversations can you have. How many times can you reach out to someone on social media privately? How many times can you go to their wall first and foremost and see what's important to them? Remember what we were talking about with Carnegie? Find out what's of interest to them. Go to their wall. Find out what's of interest to them. Send a little message to them. Hey, I saw you were, or I thought about you because, but really start building rapport with people. That would begin a meaningful conversation. What about when you're out in the marketplace, you're at the supermarket, the drugstore, you're at the dry cleaner, you're wherever you happen to be as you're moving through the week. There are people everywhere. Go shopping to a large mall. And might I add window shopping. You don't need to go spending at a large mall. You just need to go shopping at a large mall. Walk into the stores where they walk up to you and they say, may I help you? And instead of saying, no, I'm just looking, which is again, a pre-programmed response we've had in ourselves from infancy that I really do believe circles back around to our parents saying, don't talk to strangers. And here comes a stranger saying, can I help you? And we're like, no, stranger danger. And then a few minutes later, we're like, hey, what happened to that clerk? I kind of need some help over here. We do it without thinking. So instead of sending them away, let them help you. And if this individual is helping you, find out if they might be someone who would be either a prospect or a project. And if they are a prospect, if there's someone who appears to be 18 years of age or older, they're living in a country where we do business, they seem to have a problem, one of our solutions will potentially solve. Maybe through conversation, maybe not there at that moment in time, but maybe through conversation, they might be willing to express an interest in finding a solution. And obviously now you've just met them, they know who you are. Figure out how you can work with this person, build rapport, get a card, connect with them on social media, whatever it takes, but keep score. That would be one and see how quickly you can accelerate your learning curve. I've had people complete the 100-person cha challenge, the 100-prospect challenge in seven days. I've also had people that have said, I'm going to do it. You can count on me. I'm going right to the top that I never heard from again. Part of that is human nature, and we aren't going to change it. But I'm telling you what, mastering the skill of prospecting is where it all begins. Revenue begins. Revenue producing activity begins here and right now with how many people you can reach out to. So start asking yourself that classic question my wife has been posing to people from the beginning. Who do you know? Start asking yourself, who do, who do you know? Who do you know that wants to lose weight, gain muscle, feel better, sleep better, have more energy? Who do you know that wants to spend more time with their children? Hey, who do you know that would like to be able to spend a little time away from their children because they could hire a sitter and go out with the one they love? Who do you know that would like to pay off a home? Who do you know that needs a better home? Who do you know that would like to travel more? Who do you know that would like to stay home more? Who do you know? Who do you know that has a problem that one of our solutions would solve? Who do you know? 
and then put on your detective hat and say, and say to yourself, how do I get to this person? How do I connect with them? How do I figure out how to have this meaningful conversation with them? It's going to be messy at first. Let that be okay. You're not going to be very good at the beginning. Let that be okay. Your goal is to get better over time. And it may take you 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 of these. No kidding. And you'll be so frustrated and think, I can't do this. And when that happens, I want to take you back to a, an experience that almost every single one of us has had at some point in time, and that is working out. And when you haven't been in the gym for a while, or maybe ever, and someone suggests that you go work out, or you really don't work your body that much, and you've gone to the park over the weekend, and someone said, hey, get in the game, let's all play, and you decided to get in the game. And you're doing this physical exercise, and it feels so good, and you're having such a great time, and you're like, yes, this is amazing. And yet what happens the following day? Every single muscle in your body is screaming at you at the top of their lungs. Don't you ever do this to me again. No, it's horrible. We hurt everywhere. But what happens if we quit? Well, the pain will go away, but we'll never get any better. No, we have to push through the pain. We have to remember to go back again. And eventually the muscles become stronger. The pain lessens. One day we can go, we can work out, we feel amazing. The following day, we're just stronger than we were before. And we recognize, wow, I've really got my body in shape. You know, I can run the race and at the very end, I can still feel good. This is what prospecting is all about. Be willing to do the work. Be willing to do the work. Be willing to do the work. Challenge yourself to see how rapidly you can get through the learning curve how rapidly you can get to 100 meaningful conversations. You do that this week, and I'll promise you what we have to talk about next week is going to make you just excited beyond belief, because we're going to be talking about one of the big challenges that most people face at some point in time, and you might even be thinking right now, hey, if I go through 100 people, I only hardly know 100 people. What then? Well, we're going to talk next time about how you can expand your network, how you can literally create this never-ending list of, list of new people to talk to, people that you know and know you, people that you have an interest in reaching out to, and you, I'm telling you, once you master these skills, you will have refined your philosophy, you're going to think different, act different, you're going to get a different result, and over time, you will produce a different lifestyle. 